0: Watch out! Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Woo! Wilde that silence in, silence it a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stump up. It. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15, 10, hit, it in! Groundhog's touchdown! The Bills make me wanna shout! Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone! Stephon Diggs makes a catch! Touchdown, Buffalo! Swing into this! It is over! ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, the on 96.5 FM, heard, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, on the ESPN app, seen, heard. Everything in between on the mighty com, A place on the internet where you can watch a man yell about sports. Where you can get into an internet chat. They're still there. They exist. They're still a thing. They're back, baby. I don't know if they ever went away, but they're there. Where you get in the chat and you just have a free-flowing conversation uh, throughout this program about what we're talking about, hopefully. But you can venture off into your own world. Share recipes. That quite literally happens in the chat. Talk about movies. Talk about life. Give good life advice, right? i never forget the day I turned 16. It's a true story. My father gave me two pieces of advice when I turned 16. He said, son, you only get out of life what you put into it. I said, oh, that's some sage advice right there. Appreciate that. He said, and if you get arrested, you know who not to call. There you go. Share that with the world. Great advice. Share that in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. A great place to uh, hang out during the program. And the cool thing about the chat, too, and and being on uh, the mighty QSportsTalk.com is you can opine as much as you'd like. I mean, think about it. If you called this show like seven, eight times during the course of the show, we'd get annoyed and be like, no, you can't. No, you cannot come back on. But in the chat, you can just go nuts as much as you'd like. So hang out there. And we hang out with you during our commercial breaks, by the way. We keep the mic on, keep the camera on, and uh, we rock and roll. That's what we do here. Happy Monday, everybody. Great to have you. Happy President's Day. Dun, 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 hope you're enjoying a day off. If not, I uh, hope you're enjoying the day anyway, and we're glad that you uh, chose to be with us for part of your day today. Greatly appreciated. Four three seven seventy six forty four 437-7644 and uh, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, two terrific ways to be a part of the show, in addition uh, to, as we mentioned, the live chat at QSportsTalk.com. We'll certainly get into uh, Syracuse and Duke and the ramifications for that. There is another true blue national championship contender on the Hill. We know this now, after what we saw on Friday. It's not going to be easy. There's a lot of great teams in their sport, but the Syracuse women's lacrosse team announced itself. By its actions of defeating Northwestern and defeating Maryland. And not only in defeating Maryland, but in the way it defeated Maryland. As a true national championship contender. We already saw a national championship won by the men's soccer team in the fall. And this ladies team has what it takes to do it as well, though. A lot of lacrosse to be played. We'll recap the lacrosse weekend on all fronts. Uh, While we're on that subject, by the way, let me say it right off the top here. A hearty congratulations to LeMoyne head coach Dan Sheehan, who became just the 13th coach at any level in the sport to win 350 games. LeMoyne got a great win over Mercy to start the season yesterday at Ted Grand Field. a team that lost in the national championship game last year. Knocked out LeMoyne of the tournament, went on to lose in the national title game. But the LeMoyne got them back yesterday, and Coach Sheehan got an incredible mark. So congratulations to Coach Sheehan and company on that accomplishment. Wanted to say that right off the bat here. The blind side and uh, Daniel Jones apparently making some big demands for the New York football Giants, which I hope they do not meet, by the way. Nor do I think they have to meet. I think that uh, Daniel Jones bit off more than he could chew and went over his skis here a little bit. So we'll see who ends up winning this one. We will get into that. Uh, Also, Derek Carr visiting the Jets this weekend. Some juicy New York quarterback discussion here in the NFL offseason, which we will get into here. But here's where we start today. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to make me care more about this year. That message delivered to the Syracuse men's basketball team. Now, look, we're going to watch the games because that's what we do. We watch the games, we talk about the games. We watch the games, we talk about the games. We watch the games, we write about the games. That's what we do. So it's not like I'm going to check out And really get into uh, the last of us, which I am anyway, but like really get into it or, you know, find what's on Netflix that night instead of watching Syracuse basketball. Of course not. But watching it and covering it and you as a fan, you know, watching it and seeing what happens is a lot different than caring about it, being invested in it, thinking that there is something left for this year to be accomplished. It's possible you have Clemson. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad news for Syracuse that Clemson lost to Louisville over the weekend in this wild, wacky ACC that we have seen. That was a stunner, and that was a major blow to Clemson's NCAA tournament resume, for sure. And they're going to be in a pretty bad mood when they play uh, Syracuse later this week. Pittsburgh to follow, Georgia Tech, and then Wake Forest. You have to, as Joe Lidardi said today, he was just down with Brian Higgins before this show. Always great to hear Joe. Look, Sally you want about Joe Lenardi. Joe loves coming on here. He gets it. He understands what Syracuse fans think of him. He leans into it, and he's a great dude, right? I will always give him credit for coming on what he said is his favorite city to come on. He knows how Syracuse fans feel about him, and he still comes on. But he basically said, like, they've got to win out, get to the title game of the ACC tournament, then I'll think about you. Not only is Syracuse not appearing on any bracketologies in the NCAA tournament, which you would imagine, they're not on any major NIT brackets at this point. Now, can they work their way there? The answer is yes. But who cares, right? If you're invested in NIT brackets, and so by the way, John Templin, the Barking Crow. Uh, there's a couple of them else out there. I want to give them shout outs because they do a really nice job with this stuff. If you just want to track where Syracuse is at here. So, John Templins at NY Buckets, The Barking Crow, uh, at D Ratings on Twitter. It's DRatings.com. They all do nice work when it comes to bracketologies, not only in the NCAA round, but they, because they're sickos. Love to do NIT brackets, which, you know, for our sake, trying to figure out where Syracuse is going to end up is a good thing. They're not anywhere in any of these brackets right now. I still think they can work their way into the NIT bracket, but I'm not going to really, I mean, I'll check it out because it's part of my job to do that, but let's just not say I'm not going to be hitting refresh 20 times a day to see if they make their way into that bracketology like they have in the past into, say, Joe Lenardi's. Bracketology, or the bracket matrix itself. You see where I'm going here? There is an eye over the horizon. I wrote a column about this today that I hope you can read. The conversation has almost fully shifted to next year. Who's back, who's not? And it all hinges on one player, and that's Judah Mintz. Not to say that Jesse Edwards doesn't matter here, and Syracuse got a commitment today from William Patterson, center. He's a big man project. He is the first commit in the class of 2023. The class of 2023 has been pretty light so far because there's a lot of freshmen coming back. At least we think there's a lot of freshmen coming back. So Syracuse has not been as aggressive in that department because of a number of players they anticipate to be back, what they can do in the portal. You know, last year they got uber aggressive in bringing in six recruits because they kind of knew what the transactions looked like, who was coming, who was going, who they anticipated was going to come and go, and let's go at it here. As Jim Beheim has admitted himself, though, that's kind of the last time they're going to do that. That's the last traditional recruiting class that you can do in that way because of the way the sport is today, namely with the transfer portal. Now, that's notable because – What's the future of Jesse Edwards? Jesse Edwards, I think they're going to eventually work this out. We played the clip for you last week. Jim Beheim was talking about it during his accusedsportstalk.com chat. Let me see if I can pull it up for you real quick while we're yapping about it here. But Jesse is in a weird situation when it comes to NIL money. Because I've received a lot of correspondence from you, in person and otherwise, saying, boy, can they throw some NIL money at Jesse? And throw some NIL money at Joe Girard. And throw some NIL money at... Juda and get him back here next year, and I completely agree with the sentiment on all of that. It's just tricky with Jesse; he's got kind of a visa situation because he's an international player. I think they're going to work it out, as Jim Beheim noted here on his radio program slash exclusive talk dot com chat last week. Well, you know, a couple of our foreign players are have have citizenship visas, and they're getting money, and Jesse could do that too. That is something that could be worked out, uh, and, and ho- hopefully will be. Um, so he could be eligible for that. Um, you know, and with Joe, I mean, he he will he. Everybody thought last year he kind of peaked, but he's been he's better this year than he was last year. And if he did stay, he'd be better next year because you get better. You do get better as you get older. And uh, he's really, I think I think he's improved in a lot of ways this year defensively and different things he's doing on offense he couldn't do last year. So he's really gotten better. I don't know what anybody's going to do, and I'm not even going to speculate about it, because really, you just don't know. Which is fair, but it's hard not to think about right now. Syracuse was engaged in a tournament run. They were on the bubble. They were in the tournament. You don't think about this stuff. It naturally comes up in conversation, but it doesn't become the focus. By virtue of how they lost to Duke, it's becoming more of a focus now. Again, I want to stress: there's four games left here. There's an ACC tournament left. There's at least a break glass in case of emergency option here for this team, for us to engage and to care about this year as opposed to starting to turn the page to next year. By the way, Patterson commits. If Jesse returns, that could be five centers on the, or pardon me, four centers on the roster next year. Jesse Patterson, Monier Hema, and remember, Peter Carey is still on this roster but has been sitting out uh, due to injury. The math ain't math in there, right? But you would take Jesse if he would come back. You would take Joe if he would come back, despite some idiots out there shaking their head no to that statement. And certainly it all hinges on Judah Mintz. What this team does in the next four games and however far it goes in the ACC tournament and if they do get a postseason bid beyond that is all for next year. The only thing that changes that conversation if Syracuse pulls a Virginia Tech and they win the ACC tournament, which I don't think they can do because of defense. They've got a great guard. They've got three-point shooting. They've got Jesse Edwards, who I know what happened against Duke, but Jesse can still take over games. I just don't think you can have the defense Syracuse does as inconsistent as it is and win four games in a row. I was looking a little bit today at how Virginia Tech won that tournament last year, and that was just darn impressive. Hunter Couture went off for 31 points in one game. They beat Duke and Carolina con- consecutively in that tournament, but they played some defense too. They shut down some good offensive teams in that tournament last year. There's a, there's a formula that Virginia Tech had that I don't think Syracuse has gotten to yet. Now, Virginia Tech built up some momentum going into that tournament. Syracuse still has a chance to do that. But what are we talking about here? We're talking about a team that has to win the ACC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. And if they don't, they go on a nice run here, you get the booby prize. You get the, you know, when a guy's on a game show and he loses and they give, here's your supply of turtle wax and a copy of the home game. That's the NIT, okay? If you're going to, Make me engage and care about the NIT. You've already lost the battle. So it goes back to what I said a moment ago. This team can do it. I'm not sitting here doubting it. I'm just saying the conversation changes now. What you have to do is get people to engage more in this year, care more about this year than next year and not hone in on the decisions of players coming back, what they get out of the portal. The recruiting boost was big today. Marcus Adams, a 6'8 forward out of Harbor City, California, remember took an official visit to Syracuse last month. People feel like he's in line. There's some NIL opportunities for him via Adam Weitzman. So they could add a couple of of names to the class of 2023. The portal is always open. People are wondering, and this is just speculation on my part, but people are wondering what J.J. Starling's going to do. They could really hone things up. I haven't even brought up the Bayheim question. I'll, I'll spare you that, even though that elephant's always looming in the room. But I think, by and large, even if you're somebody that wants to see Jim Bayheim retire, that if they get a majority of this core back, I think, to use a word, you'll tolerate another year of the Hall of Famer. Right? If that's the deal... Right? Judah, Jim gets to coach him one more time. I think most people would actually take that. deal. But that's where we're at here. Because when people engage me about this team, and look, I know I'm not the center of the universe here. I can only go by what I hear, what I feel, what I see. And I think I do a pretty good job kind of taking the pulse of the fan. I'm not perfect. But the pulse that I have overwhelmingly received, it's all about next year. It's all about keeping Judah. There's hope there. That comes with hope. It comes with optimism. I want to stress that. When people bring this up, that's what they say. They say, man, if they can get Judah back and Jesse back and Joe back and maybe add some people from the portal, get a couple recruits, they could be pretty good. So when I say make us care about this year again, that's the reality. But two things can be true at the same time. We can watch the rest of this year with an eye on next year and hope some key pieces come back. If they don't, well, you hit the reset button, which is just the reality of college basketball these days. Right? So that is their mission, should they choose to accept it in these next four games and however far the postseason takes them. Make us care about this year. When we come back, we're going to hone in on the Duke game. Give some major props where it's deserved and look at what went wrong. I think you guys kind of picked up on my sarcasm, not my sarcasm. That's not the right way to put it. I think you picked up on my skepticism on how Syracuse would do in this Duke game. And that bore out. There was a few things I looked at that I said, that's not good. And there they were on the court. So let's go a little bit more over that game. We will talk to you throughout the afternoon at 437 on Twitter, Brent Dax Media in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. As mentioned, we got some lacrosse coming up later, hot takes, the blind side, and the usual hijinks and tomfoolery you would see on this radio program. Uh, no Lee Baldwin report today. It's President's Day, so they are off at Lee Baldwin Company. They'll tell us what's been cooking on the market so when they get back at it tomorrow. We'll talk to you next. Don't go anywhere. You're on the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. we <laughs> This is On the Block with Brent Ash. Welcome back, friends. We were uh, just talking during the break about uh, some of the other things that were going on this weekend. The XFL was back. Anybody check that out? A couple Syracuse guys were out there. Unfortunately, Eric Dungee uh, did not uh, grab the starting job for the D.C. Defenders. Sterling Hoffrichter was out there. Cody Conway was out there. Uh, Lakeem Williams was out there for the Q's. So a few former Syracuse guys in the XFL. Uh, I heard a lot of complaints about the Daytona 500 and way too many commercials. And, look, God bless people that can hang in there and watch a four- or five-hour NASCAR event. I'm not one of them. I can't do it. It's just too long for me. I can do that for golf because I can come in and out of it, keep track of it, maybe sneak in a little nap there. I had the golf on uh, throughout the afternoon, so I was watching that. And then it was – I did not watch one second of the NBA All-Star game. The, uh, you know, look, I don't care about the NBA All-Star game. People are out there, like, how do we fix the NBA All-Star game? And I'm like, why do we care? Like, no, like, we don't need to fix that. It's always been a layup line. And it, it, you can't even go back in my day. Hey, back in my day, Michael Jordan and Carl Malone cared about the All-Star game. No, they didn't. It was a layup line then. It's always been a layup line. And, I mean, God bless Mac McClung, who got called up from the G League, by the way the former Georgetown star to go out there and, and essentially some people are saying save the dunk contest. You know how many times I've heard someone save the dunk contest, Vince Carter, save the dunk contest. Uh, who are the Zach Levine and. Uh, I can't remember the other guy. They went at it a few years ago. That supposedly save the dunk contest. It's just, yeah, by the way, people with a straight face who say the NBA all-star game is the best all-star game. Like, no, just, just, please. Say all you want about baseball. The best all-star game is the baseball all-star game because they actually have to play baseball by the middle of the fourth inning. There's a bunch of dudes in there. Even I've never heard of, but it's still the best game. So that was on. It's, it's kind of an interesting time. There's stuff on, right? But my friends in the national media, I always kind of break their chops this time of the year because it's a lot of, it's not a lot of meat potato stuff. It's a lot of stuff. Whereas here, you know, we're engaged on Syracuse basketball, local stuff, big college basketball time. We're heading towards the tournament. Like This has always been a good time of the year to invest. And a couple other things I'm going to get into now. Syracuse women's basketball. You want to talk about a team that's going to the tournament? How about Coach Jack's team? They got a real shot at this. They beat Miami yesterday. It was senior day at the Dome. You know, we'll see if uh, uh, Deja Fair comes back next year. We'll talk to Coach Jack about that tomorrow and what the plans for next year are. But this year... And Coach Jack admitted it, he said we have to win these games, we have to make some noise in the tournament, but um, I did not check Charlie. Did Charlie Cream update his bracketology today? Is our friend Tim Leonard still in the building? He can tell us. He's on top of that, the voice of Syracuse women's basketball. But they needed that win yesterday, and they got it, you know. Unlike the men's side on the ACC where you get to five teams and then there's a big drop-off and it looks like they're only going to have five in the tournament. There's only two ranked today. The ACC in women's basketball is stacked. So Syracuse is trying to enter the conversation with a real stacked field, and they're doing what they need to do to be a part of it. They're doing what they need to do to be in the conversation. Here is the path forward. Okay. The one I'm looking at here has not been updated. So I don't think Charlie cream's updated his bracketology yet. last. We look Syracuse was first four out. So he'll update, that, update that soon. I'm sure it's going to be updated a lot over the next couple of weeks, but last Charlie cream bracketology, this is before they beat Miami this weekend. They were first four out. So they got a shot at this thing. And if coach Jack can just get that team in the tournament, What a turnaround from what we've seen the past couple of years, and who would want to play that team in the tournament, by the way? They could be a sneaky low seed that kind of punches somebody in the nose, maybe grabs a win or two. So all this talk about what the men's team's doing, they're not even in any bracketologies. The women's team, they got some real momentum going forward here. So that was last home game yesterday. Great crowd at the Dome for senior day, and they saw a great game. Coach Jack was happy. Now, we've talked to Coach Jack about this fourth quarter versus the other three quarters. You know, when they beat North Carolina uh, last Thursday, they had a great third quarter, right? So you have a tremendous pick any of the four quarters and dominate, then it's going to carry you to victory. But it's always good when you're best in the fourth. And they kind of sustained a little press from Miami. It was getting a little dicey there for a while. But they took it home uh, at the dome right now. Uh, Syracuse women's lacrosse cruising over Binghamton, not a surprise, fifteen to three. So they're well on their way to start three and zero on the season, folks. I know it's February twentieth, but I'm telling you right now, that team is a true blue, legit national championship contender. There's a there's a lot of asterisks attached to that conversation. First of all, they have to stay healthy. They lost so many talented players last year. That it just became impossible for them to keep pace. See, in women's college lacrosse, North Carolina, Boston College, Northwestern, Syracuse, Maryland. You can pick from those five, one of those five is going to win the title. Syracuse beat Northwestern by a goal to start the year in a terrific game. They blew out Maryland on Friday at the Dome. 2011, to drop 20 on one of the best defensive teams in the country and and one of the best goalies in women's college lacrosse. That shows you what you have depth-wise. You have the player of the year in Megan Tyrell, who had a mere 11 points in that game. Megan Carney's healthy in scoring. Emma Tyrell's back in scoring. Emma Ward's back in scoring. They can go 2-3 deep at the midfield line. Delaney Schweitzer and goal has been spectacular so far this season. That was a big thing missing from last year. They went back and forth between Kimber Hauer and Delaney Schweitzer. Now they've got a, a true blue goaltender. They've got one of the best coaches in the country. So there's going to be a lot of ranked teams to come as the schedule goes. So they played Northwestern and Maryland early. They kind of, um, what's the expression I'm looking for here? They bookend that with North Carolina and B.C. at the end of the year, and there's Loyola in there, Dukes in there. There's some good teams in women's college lacrosse, and Syracuse plays all of them. They play all of them, pretty much the entire top ten. But with a lot of games to go, this team has the look and the feel, and so far, knock on wood, the health of a national championship contender. Men's soccer won the national title. This women's team, they've got some tough competition but they're number two in the country now, and they're good. Men's lacrosse over the weekend. I talked about the Joey Spallina goal earlier. If you have not seen this goal, go find it and watch it and be awed by it because that shot takes cojones. That shot, the goaltender for Maryland wasn't even expecting, and it shows the flair that Spallina and Thompson and Simmons and some of these younger players are bringing back on the field for Syracuse men's lacrosse. Look, they they lost to Maryland. It was a 15-12 game. Maryland absolutely destroyed them at the face-off. Acts. That's concerning. Now, Maryland's got one of the best face-off guys in the country, Johnny Rachusa, Syracuse's new FOGO. Got a little lesson there. And, look, that brings up a debate about the powers that be in college lacrosse. Really have to look at that. Is that too much of an advantage to have somebody who's – that good of a specialist at the face-off. X. you can't fault teams. You know, when Syracuse had Jacob Fopp and Danny Varello, nobody was calling to change the rules, right? But I don't know. That feels like kind of the next shot clock discussion. Remember, for years, we were pushing for a shot clock and a faster pace, and lacrosse kind of got away from its roots, and, and that happened, and that came through, and that improved the game. This whole face-off thing is it's a little off-putting at this point, but we'll, we'll see how that develops. They still only lost by 3 goals despite Maryland having a ton more possessions and shots. What Syracuse is going to have to do on the men's side is now nah, you've got to prove it against one of these ranked teams and they get another chance Saturday. North Carolina moved up to number 11 in the polls. They can beat that team. Carolina is good, don't get me wrong. They can beat that team. You got to put you got to put a couple skins on the wall and prove that you can punch up a little bit. That 3-0 start took care of business, you played teams you could beat, you got the offense rolling, you got in sync. But the men's team has a great goalie in Will Mark. They've got more scoring, a little more depth. That defense is still coming into its own, but I think has improved from last year. Their mission, should they choose to accept it, is just to stay in the conversation to make the tournament. The women's team, by virtue of what they've done the first two games, Binghamton, honestly... I mean, it's a nice little win, but Binghamton's not very good. But you beat Maryland that way. You beat Northwestern that way. If you can keep beating those ranked teams you're going to face as you go along here, like you're a true blue, legit national title contender. Now, North Carolina's still number one in women's college lacrosse, and they should be because they're a juggernaut, and that's who you measure yourself against. But Syracuse isn't going to play them until the end of the year. That's probably a good thing, by the way. To have two months to be at your best to play that team and kind of see where you're at before. Look, they're going to cross paths again with somebody. Northwestern, Maryland, North Carolina. You don't make your way to the national title game without seeing one of those teams again in the tournament. But can you start better than that? The answer is no. You know, that's a thin line between, what was the line I used? I wrote a column about this. For Kayla Trainer, she admitted it after the Northwestern game. People said she was crazy to put Northwestern and Maryland as the first two games on the schedule. It's a fine line between insanity and genius when you do something like that. She's looking like a genius now. Long way to go. but That team's good. It's deep. It scores in bunches. It's got a great goalie. And it's time to get excited, friends. Time to get excited again. About lacrosse in Syracuse, New York. And uh, once again, I want to give a shout-out. We said it at the beginning of the show, but for the audience that's tuning in now that missed it earlier, Uh big shout-out to our friend Dan Sheehan, LeMoyne men's head coach. They had a nice win to start the season over Mercy yesterday. Dan Sheehan, now one of only 13 coaches in the history of the sport at any level to have 350 collegiate wins. That's incredible. Shout-out to Coach Sheehan on that accomplishment, and uh, now LeMoyne has entered the chat. Let's go. We'll break. We'll come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. The blind side awaits.